I want to have Christmas every day. Anybody else want to have Christmas every day? <laughs> or I've said, every day should be Christmas. The kids would look at me puzzled. I'd say, well, Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the reason for every day that we're alive and gone. If you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, but he is the reason more than just at Christmas time. Amen? And this morning, I want to try to encourage you to let your heart be full of the love of Jesus. Embrace the only one who can bring love, joy, peace, and hope every day of the year. I don't know about you, but I was feeling a little, little gypped this year. You know, with this whole COVID thing. And even though Christmas isn't about all the traditions, some of those things that we would do helped us to focus on Jesus. Amen? And some of that was absent. Some of it has to do with the fact that we don't have the kids at home anymore where we used to always read the birth of Jesus. And it tickled my heart to hear that you know, my kids do that with the grandkids. So I want to you know, just put maybe a little bit of that Christmas spirit in there that maybe we're missing. Some of the things that we used to do that were tradition was, you know, maybe playing games together or, you know, we do a little bit of um, trivia or, uh, you know, puzzles with the kids and, and whatnot. Um, but I have an acrostic here that I want to read to you just as a reminder about the babe who was born in a manger over 2,000 years ago. And he would soon be known by everyone as the Messiah. He is Christ the Lord. He is holy. He is Redeemer. He is Emmanuel. He is Son of God. He is truth. He is magnificent. Love that word. He is all-powerful in all that we need. He is Savior. Do I hear an amen? Now, He is Christmas. Over and over again, during the Christmas season, we might hear a lot of these words, a lot of these terms. One of my favorites is he is Emmanuel, God with us, all the time. And as we close out this 2020 Christmas season, continue spending time rejoicing and praising God for sending His Son. He is the free gift from God to anyone who will embrace Him with a loving heart. He will change your heart forever. Amen? Merry Christmas.
Have you ever stopped to wonder where the phrase Merry Christmas actually comes from? I did that this week. And no one is entirely certain of the answer, but there are several interesting theories, which I'm not going to get into this morning, other than to say that the term, the phrase Merry Christmas has been used for almost 500 years. There is a dated letter that somebody has somewhere from a bishop, John Fisher, to Henry VIII's chief minister, Thomas Cromwell. And he penned the phrase in that letter, Merry Christmas. The English, the English Christmas carol, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, was introduced in the 1500s, also uses the popular phrase. So there's your little bit of fun, a little bit of trivia. But what God had put on my heart earlier this week, and the verse came up a couple times, was Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. There's a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A merry heart does good like medicine. A merry heart does good like medicine. Kept going through my mind. Of course, it's one of the reasons why I looked up Merry Christmas. You know, this word Mary. You kind of med- meditated on that a little bit. You, you think about what that word means. And the other versions, some of the other versions of Scripture, I believe it's the NIV and the NLT, they use the word cheerful. And in the uh, New American Standard, they use the word joyful. So as we move into this next week and we continue with Pastor John's Disruptor series, I would say this could be a continuation of that, of the Christmas edition. And how our merry heart is disrupted. How our joy is stolen by the enemy. How he doesn't want to see us cheerful. But there's a flip side to that coin also. And is, that's, that is, how does a merry heart disrupt others? How does a merry heart disrupt others? I don't know if you've experienced that before. But there's some funny stories that come to mind, and there's some not-so-funny stories that come to mind of people who just want to live in the muck and mire, the down-and-outers. You try to lift them up. But one of the funny ones that I've repeated a number of times is a good friend 
who was accused of always smiling. Why do you always smile? You always have a smile. Stop smiling. They literally tell him, stop smiling. Why are you always smiling? He finally had the opportunity, and he just blurted out, because I love Jesus. Amen? And even through the tough times, he's smiling. He's showing forth that merry heart. A merry heart does good like medicine. I may say that a number of times this morning. I want you to memorize that. A merry heart does good like medicine. For those of you who know me, number seven is a pretty important number. Well, there's seven words there. A merry heart does good like medicine. I want to remember those words every day I get up because I know we'll be doing battle. And I want to have that merry heart. And in times like these, it can be tough. When you're dealing with the public on a daily basis, it can be real tough. For those of you who might know that, I'm sure you have plenty of stories. But how does the merry heart disrupt others like the Scrooges? Bah humbug. The broken spirit dries the bones. My heart when you face somebody who you know is just down, they're brokenhearted. They have a broken spirit. You know their bones are drying up. My heart goes out to them. You want to see that turned around, right? So a merry heart does good like medicine. There's a lot of people out there looking for medicine these days, aren't they? It might be medicine to steer clear of the common flu, the coronavirus. A lot of people are looking forward to you know, getting the vaccine. But how cool is this? A merry heart. A merry heart does good like medicine. Each one of us, each one of us has the ability to give out this medicine. Is it going to be challenging? You betcha. But we got to win that battle. Amen? Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Last week, Pastor John mentioned something he had read somewhere, and I thought it was very clever and so true. Try and be the thermostat and not the thermometer. Do you remember that? We can influence the emotional thermostat of the people around us with a merry or joyful heart. We can set the temperature in a room. 
But I'm not referring to a face that we just put on. I'm referring to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter in which we influence other people's thermostats. Because of the merry heart that we have for Jesus. The heart of the matter is that passion and the emotion within you that says, I love Jesus. It says, it puts that smile on your face that doesn't come off. One of the books that I, I really appreciated as I was the uh, principal for the school that was here for, I think it was 13, nearly 14 years, I picked up this book. We did the devotions with the staff called The Heart of the Matter. And it has a little thing in here, the God-focused school, but there was so much more in this that I learned from and then how I treated not just the kids, but just other people in general. I started to change the way I was thinking. I started putting myself in other people's shoes more than I had before. Especially with children. When you're the principal, you're the dad, you're the boss, it's about the rules, right? We got a set of rules. We got to follow. It's my job to make sure you follow it. And if you fall out, fall out of line, I'm going to help you get back in line. There was a number of kids that would be sent to the office. And after spending some time in devotion with the book and thinking about things differently, I realized it wasn't about the rules or what. What are they in trouble for? So much as it was the heart of the child. So I started to bring them downstairs, and I would meet them here in the sanctuary or walk outside. So I found out very quickly that the principal's office was very intimidating. And I would get stone-faced faces and kids with their heels digging into my carpet and in elbows into the chair and they wouldn't say a word. And whatever it was, it wasn't their fault. And they weren't going to reveal anything to me. And I started looking at the heart of the person. I have no idea what was going on, maybe earlier that day. I don't know the whole story. Hitting him with a barrage of questions wasn't going to help matters. Until they lighten up a little bit. When they realized that, you know, I wasn't out to get them, I wanted to hear their heart, they would start to open up, spill the beans, you get all sorts of stuff. That was God's blessing. So, what are you passionate about? What gives you emotion in that love for Christ? and seeing hearts change, and trying to reach the lost. 
David is always a good example in the Bible to bring up about the heart because God has said that David was a man after his own heart. If I want to be a man after God's heart, I'm going to see, okay, why? Why will you be a man after God's own heart? How did he pray? How did he make decisions? What was he passionate about? How do we keep how do we keep that joy? So I'm going to read to you chapter 19 of Psalm. And if you want, just close your eyes. If you like poetry, I'm going to do the best I can here. But put yourself in David's shoes, maybe picturing this as it's penned. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message is gone throughout the earth and their words through all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instruction of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me, cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Hallelujah. David is in awe of God. got to be times that you can remember where maybe you got up early and you saw the sun rise or you saw the sun set later in the day and it amazed you how the sun follows its course like David was talking about. God has made a home in the heavens for that sun and it bursts forth 
How many times have we seen the rays just bursting forth out of the clouds? Some very bright white clouds, others big dark rain clouds. But that cloud wasn't going to stop that sun from bursting through. Who made it all? Who is the creator? God, you are awesome. You know everything. You know every fiber of my being. You know the sin that lurks. Cleanse me. Forgive me, Lord. Keep me from them controlling me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, a heart after God, be pleasing to you. David's a great example. We have at least three views here of David's heart. But first I have to recognize that is this is that it is this type of confident hope that David leans on in so many ways and in so many turbulent times that he had. It's the power of prayer. As he speaks these words and has them written down, he's praying to the Lord. I want to be like that. I want to have a merry heart because it does good like medicine. Number one, the heart that is humble. Two, the heart that is in awe. Three, the heart that is attached to heavenly treasure. David's heart, this is a heart that God loves. He was emotionally rich, awestruck, desperate, passionate about God's word. Just read Psalm 119. There's a whole lot more that you can read too, but he was passionate about God as a person. And when you read a lot of these Psalms as prayers, you can read them that way for yourself too. And see how close you feel to God. Let's see how merry your heart gets. Let's see how many smiles you can keep on that infect others. A merry heart is a very contagious thing, and it is a thermostat setter. I'm going to use words like infect and contagious on purpose here because of what we are dealing with these days. We do need to be careful as to what we possibly might spread, but it is more important to find ways to be a contagious Christian, infecting others with the love of Christ. We need to find creative ways to reach others, to show them that merry heart, and to lift up each day in prayer for protection. But we must believe the power of prayer. Don't let the enemy get in there and shed doubt. Maybe you haven't had some prayers answered yet. 
Don't let the enemy step in and steal that confidence, that joy, that merry heart. Since emotions are contagious, we are mindful that our listeners will feel what we feel. If we are excited, they will be too. I read that there was this principal who looked at his faculty one day and said, people, I love to get up in the morning and come to work. It was contagious. It made them feel like they were excited to come to work. A merry heart does good like medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You can influence the emotional thermostat of people around you for better or worse, so we have to be careful. People want to be engaged emotionally as well as intellectually. They are not as interested in simply knowing what you know. They want to experience what you've experienced. We have to find ways to engage people. Where is your heart? Be contagious. Back to those three things with David. How about putting them on us, asking ourselves the question, do I have a humble heart? Do I have a humble and repenting heart? Number two, is it a heart in awe? Is there emotion and passion of God, the Creator? I heard this said once, too, and I, and I, and I loved it because it had to do with a, a school again and a principal. Um, he said, don't study the Word of God. He said that to his students. Don't study the Word of God. What kind of look do you think he got? That puzzled look like, like What? We're in a Christian school? What do you mean don't study the Word of God? He said, instead, study the God of the Word. Instead, study the God of the Word. That brings me back to Psalm and what David was writing down and how he viewed God, that passion an emotion that welled up. Putting God first. Yes, this is the living word of God. But to view it as if I'm studying God of the word just puts a little different twist on it, doesn't it? I think it makes it more alive. Always said it's the living word of God, but it just helped me. Number three, is it a heart attached to things that last forever? In other words, in heaven. The treasures that are being stored up in heaven. Or is it a heart attached to things that we store up on earth? Matthew 6, 20 through 21. 
to store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Our challenge, our prayer, is how will we infect others? How can we be emotionally or passionately contagious, but yet authentic? I say that again. How can we be emotionally or passionately contagious, yet authentic? A lot of people, you've heard them say, I just want somebody to be real. I don't want them to be fake. If we put God first, if we recognize God in such a way that it instills that, that joyful, cheerful, that merry heart, the Holy Spirit will reveal to those people around us that it is authentic. And those people will say, I want what you have. Amen? I want what you have. Why are you always smiling? You may find yourself in one or more of these places. So I'd like you, we're getting close to closing here, but I'd like you to pray with me. I'm going to pray through these three things. Lord Jesus, Father God in heaven, change my heart. I repent, Lord, of all the sin. And I ask you, Lord, to save, it, save me from it. Be my Savior. Continue to change my heart. And then, Lord, I want to guard my heart. I want to be in awe of you. I want to be God-focused. I want to have my heart attached to the things above in heaven forever, not the earthly things. Help me to do that. And Lord, provide opportunities. Provide opportunities for me to reach out to others, to show them a merry heart, to show them your love. I want, to, I want to see your work and I want to be able to testify and give you the glory and the honor for the miracles that are done in that work. Help me to be the thermostat and a thermostat setter influencing others with the love of Jesus. Help me to have a merry heart and watch you do the work. Amen. So Merry Christmas. Have a merry heart. 
know how important that is to reaching the people around you? Infect them with God's love. Be a contagious Christian. I'm just going to say this last prayer over you guys as we leave this morning. Lord, I pray that you, the source of hope, will fill us completely with joy and peace because we trust you. And then I look forward to you overflowing with a confident hope for me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be infectious, contagious to others with your love. Let the power of your Holy Spirit be poured out, overflowing from us onto others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't let the enemy disrupt your joy. Amen. Thank you. Pray that you guys continue to to be safe. And God protects you. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming.